Time for instant analysis here on the Bama Online Podcast, this time following the Alabama Crimson Tides 24-22 win over the rival Auburn Tigers. Four overtimes needed to settle this one down at Jordan-Hare Stadium. Alabama all but dead there, it seemed, in the fourth quarter, trailing 10 to nothing. You've had some in-game changes on the offensive line. Hell, you even had a change at the holder position for Alabama with its field goal extra point following a botched opportunity there in the third quarter. No stone left unturned by Nick Saban and his coaching staff, and they needed each and every one of them. You consider the targeting penalty on Jamison Williams there in the second quarter took him out of the game for nearly three quarters of action. Don't need to tell you how impactful that was. Just look at Jamison Williams' numbers through the first 11 games for more on that. Brian Robinson has a lower extremity injury there in the second half. So when you're talking about where Alabama was at in a 10-0 game there in the fourth quarter, you don't have Jamison Williams on offense. You don't have Brian Robinson. You got Trey Sanders and a little bit of Christian Leary at the running back position. And you've made two changes in-game to your offensive line. Seth McLaughlin, how about that spot for the true, uh, for the second-year player? Uh, to step in there at the center position for Darian Dahlcourt. Chris Owens comes on for Damian George at right tackle. And understandably so, because we talk about Jordan-Hare Stadium being a house of horrors for Alabama in the past. Well, that was certainly the case in the first half as the Alabama offense just looking at the opening two quarters of play 68 total yards for Alabama just two of eight on third downs uh anemic I think a pretty good way to describe the play of Bryce Young and company in that first half and a lot of it just had to do with couldn't get Auburn blocked you heard from Nick Saban at halftime talking with CBS that's essentially what he said so Some changes were made up front, and you need to credit the Alabama coaching staff for that. I know they were an easy target throughout Saturday's game, but to go to McLaughlin at center, to go back to Chris Owens at right tackle, I'm not saying it was perfect in the second half in overtime, but what I am going to tell you is that five of Auburn's seven sacks in the game were in the first half. In the second half in overtime, two sacks. That's a reasonable number. And again, sometimes with those sack numbers, you got to attribute some of it to Bryce Young because we know he likes to take as long as he possibly can to make some plays, try to extend some things. And probably more so, I wouldn't even say probably, I'd say definitely so. Given the events of the first half, I don't think there's any doubt that's as rattled or as unsure of himself, maybe a better way to say it, as we've seen Bryce Young in 2021. And again, he was getting the Brody Coral treatment. And so that made some sense there in the first half. So Alabama makes some changes up front. John Mechie really steps forward. That's the benefit right there of having two number one receiver types in your offense. No one will dispute that Jamison Williams has been everything Alabama could have ever hoped for after transferring to Tuscaloosa from Ohio State. And when you look at Alabama's total yardage at the time that he was flagged for targeting there while covering a punt in the second quarter, he had 43 receiving yards. And at that time, Alabama had 50 
total yards. That kind of sums it up, doesn't it, in terms of Alabama's offensive output for the first four or five possessions of the game and how much they lean on Williams to contribute to that total on a weekly basis. Meanwhile, at that same point in the second quarter, John Mechie had two catches for 17 yards. After Jamison Williams goes out, John Mechie goes for 11 catches for 133 yards and a lot of his heavy lifting done there in the second half. When you look at the third quarter, he had a catch of 26. When you get into the fourth quarter, he had a catch of 27, a catch of 22. Uh, Overtime, he has a catch of 13. So John Mechie, very much heroic. And it took heroic performances on the offensive side of the ball. We're going to get to the defense in a minute. And there's no, no limitation in terms of heroes on that side of the ball. But when you talk about that fourth quarter, the 97-yard touchdown drive and, what, a minute and 11 seconds to tie the game? How about Ja'Cory Brooks stepping up, the true freshman? They went back to him on a route that a few snaps earlier, he cut it short. He was working against Jalen Simpson, and we previewed that matchup with Simpson on Thursday at BamaOnline.com in our three matchups piece and really felt like Roger McCreary was going to be the tough matchup at the cornerback position for Auburn, whether it was Jamison Williams, whether it was John Mechie, whether it was Slade Bolden. McCreary is an NFL corner waiting to happen. Now, was McCreary able to, during the course of Saturday's game, maybe get away with a little bit of stuff that most corners don't? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Uh, But he was exceptional throughout the game. And so McCreary, Auburn's plan, Derek Mason's plan, for the Auburn defense was to send McCreary wherever Jamison Williams went. They traveled McCreary with Williams while Williams was in the game. Williams goes out, so now you don't have to account for him at all, and you can send McCreary to John Mechie. So when you think about what John Mechie did after Jamison Williams went out, a lot of that came against Roger McCreary, including just an absolutely nasty pivot route to send the home crowd unhappy there. The game winner to John Mechie in the fourth overtime. We got into that two-point conversion situation. Not a big fan of that, but we'll talk about the lead-up to Mechie's touchdown on the defensive end as we get through the podcast here this evening. But again, a lot of heroes on the offensive side of the ball, especially when you consider for how long in the game the Alabama offense just really wasn't a factor. But again, the changes to the offensive line, Ja'Cory Brooks stepping up, Trey Sanders, Christian Leary filling in there for Brian Robinson in the second half. Sanders grinded out 35 scrimmage yards in the second half and overtime. And of course, there was Bryce Young. We get into this mode here late in the season and with the conference championship games coming up next week where it's time to kind of decide on a Heisman Trophy winner. It wasn't what I would say a Heisman Trophy afternoon for Bryce Young, but when the game was on the line, he certainly did what Heisman Trophy winners do. Uh, Engineered that fourth quarter drive, and to do it in a minute and 11 seconds just – 
that's amazing to me, especially when you consider this guy is still a sophomore. I know you can say at this point this season he's a junior, but he didn't really play much last year. He's still very much a first-year starter, and I think that showed at times. You know, on Saturday, I think there are still times with Bryce Young where game management isn't perhaps a strong suit of his. I don't know how much of that you can put on the offensive brain trust. Uh, there was a point there in the fourth quarter where it felt like they were Alabama was really letting some precious time run off the clock there between plays. It all worked out in the end. And again, the biggest thing with Bryce Young is as bad as it can be for as long as it was Saturday, it still wasn't overwhelming for him at the end. He was still very comfortable. And you've got to credit, once again, some of the changes made in-game, better protection, developed a rhythm with Mechie, uh, got some big catches from some other guys as well. What about Jalil Billingsley on that game-tying drive? It was a little bit of a double catch by Jalil on that fourth and seven, but he makes a huge fourth down. The only fourth down Alabama converted in the game, you had some snap issues on one. You had a stuff of Trey Sanders there in the fourth quarter. So many times in this game where it looked like Alabama was absolutely left for dead. But again, as we get through this podcast, we'll talk about an area of this team that absolutely did not let the Crimson tied down really during any point of Saturday's game, especially when you consider how time, not time of possession, but drive start really changed. Alabama in the early stages of the game Saturday, when you consider where it got the football to start possessions, opening possession come out, uh, what was it? Three and out for Auburn. Auburn actually uh, goes backwards 22 yards on its opening drive, so has to punt from its own three. Alabama gets the football at the Auburn 48. You're thinking, well, this is a good chance for the offense to go down, get in the end zone, establish some early command of the game. Instead, Alabama goes three and out. Alabama, on its next possession, gets the football at its own 49. Even on its third possession of the first quarter, it takes over at its own 39. First possession of the Second quarter, it's own 36, but it really deteriorated from there because Alabama offensively just could not muster anything. It really took getting to halftime to sort of change the field position situation for Alabama. And even with that, again, not the production you're used to seeing through three quarters for Alabama on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, defensively, you, you can't have really any complaints. We talk about heroes on the offensive side of the ball for Alabama. You don't have to look far for heroes for Alabama defensively. Again, 15 tackles for loss in the game. No Bo Nix at the quarterback position. We talked about this in the lead-up to the game and what our expectation was uh, for Alabama to really be able to focus in on Tank Bigsby Alabama was certainly able to do that. Bigsby carries 29 times for just 63 yards, had a long run of 22 yards, and with that, you're going to put it more on T.J. Finley and the Auburn passing attack. One of our predictions and five predictions on Friday at BamaOnline.com was that 
Finley would have a 30-yard completion in the game, but he probably wouldn't have more than one. Well, he didn't have a 30-yard completion. He did have a 29-yarder. He also lost a uh, 43-yarder to Jarquavius Hunter there in the second half uh, to a holding penalty. Kool-Aid McKinstry out there. Jarquez Hunter uh, looked like he was going to have an explosive to really change field position for Auburn in the third quarter. Instead, holding on Jaquincy Kool-Aid, as he's known, McKinstry. Boy, I guess the SEC office got on the hotline on that one, right? Despite the fact, by the way, that Alabama was assessed 11 penalties for 129 yards in the game. We won't talk about that, right? But Alabama kept big plays to a real minimum. Just 11 first downs for Auburn in the game. Four of those via, wait for it, wait for it, the penalty. Four Alabama penalties handed Auburn first downs. Had just 11 in the game, four of them on Alabama penalties. Uh, So a collective effort, no doubt about it. Uh, Alabama with plenty of juice defensively. Had some, had, again, penalties on the defensive side of the ball as much as anything were a a big a problem as anything uh, for those guys. And thought it was interesting, right? We went into the week sort of wondering on the back end, would it be Kool-Aid McKinstry? Would it be Josh Job at corner? And it turned out to be both those guys. It ended up being Kool-Aid McKinstry, for uh, Jalen Armour Davis at the right corner position. And Kool-Aid played well. He had the pass break up there in the top of the fourth overtime, right? It's like a baseball game with the way this thing turned out in overtime. He had the pass break up that set the stage for the game-winning score by John Mechie. But uh, Kool-Aid goes for a couple of tackles, had a sack, had a pass break up. Uh, Josh Job with a big interception there in the fourth quarter. Really needed it at that point in the game. From the Auburn perspective, there were some things that Brian Harson and Mike Bobo and the offensive staff went with. There were, well, they were head scratchers. Yes, Auburn only threw the ball twice in the fourth quarter, but one was an incompletion that stopped the clock, and the other was an interception by Job. And there actually was another pass attempt that went by the boards after Dallas Turner, wait for it, wait for it, was flagged with a questionable roughing the passer call that negated a Daniel Wright interception. Wright in the game as the money defender, the dime back when Alabama went with six defensive backs. So we had some blanks filled in for us during the course of the game coming out of Arkansas and how things were going to set up. Brian Branch getting the go there at the star position. Thought he played pretty well in the game. He gave up the touchdown pass or the conversion pass there in overtime. But, man, that was just a hell of a catch. Really good throw by T.J. Finley on that play. But uh, what a catch by the Auburn tight end King there from five yards out. I uh, I believe that was the first overtime. They capped that drive with that bullet across the middle that Branch had great coverage. Can't really hit him for that, but uh, just just a great individual effort by a couple of Auburn players there. You know, I thought DeMarco Hellams played really well from the safety position. Six tackles, a half tackle for loss, a couple pass breakups. I think he actually had three. I don't think he got credited with one there in the first half, but he did miss a tackle 
on the Auburn touchdown play there in the second quarter, right after Jamison Williams was ejected while covering the punt. And I know some folks, they're going to have a problem with Jamison Williams covering punts, but he's really good at it. And I didn't hear a lot of people having a problem when Devontae Smith was doing it last year. You know, I, I, what I saw was a lot of people saying, that's another reason why he ought to win the Heisman Trophy. This is a guy who not only puts up huge numbers as a receiver, he goes down and covers punts. Well, that's what Jamison Williams was doing on Saturday. But you had the Auburn touchdown there on the ensuing possession for the Tigers. Kobe Hudson catches a, a quick pass in the left flat. DeMarco comes up aggressively and sort of whiffs on the open field attempt. There were other guys for Alabama that could have rallied and maybe helped make a play there. They didn't do it, but not going to ding DeMarco Hellams too much for that because I thought otherwise he was really excellent. Henry Toa Toa is going to maintain that team tackle lead after nine more in the game on Saturday. He had another tackle for loss. He's kind of hit a spike here in recent weeks in terms of negative play production. Jordan Battle, six tackles in the game. I think Jordan had a face mask penalty. Again, so many penalties on Alabama in this game. Christian Harris with five tackles, including a tackle for loss. Uh, And again, really impressed with the defensive line play. Thought Alabama would play maybe more base than they did. I don't think Auburn committed to as much 12 personnel in the game. Saw plenty of tight ends from Auburn. But Alabama playing a lot of that big nickel. Uh, No DJ Dale in the game. So once again, it's Tim Smith who gets the start along with Byron Young and Fedarian Mathis and Will Anderson bookending that heavy nickel front at the outside linebacker position. But just exceptional all-around play from the Alabama defense to give the offense even the opportunity there in the fourth quarter to have a chance to go 97 yards in 11 plays and uh, clutch in a lot of different ways for the Alabama offense. But without the full four quarters plus of performance from the Alabama defense, uh, that win, that win doesn't happen Saturday afternoon and a drive for all time. You know, I think in some ways, some Alabama fans will say, well, that's the make good for the Curtis Brown catch that wasn't back in 1995 and so many parallels in this game to previous Alabama failures going to that end of the stadium at Jordan Hare, Jordan Hare Stadium. You had the Curtis Brown catch that was ruled incomplete. You had the kick six. How about Will Reichard drilling that 38 yarder in overtime to extend the game? Not a lot of positive, uh, Not a lot of positive vibes. Even though Will has been just dead solid money uh, for the last two plus near two seasons complete, that was worrisome. Because again, not only have you seen Alabama have its own struggles going to that end of the stadium, you've seen Auburn uh, come up big at that end of Jordan-Hare Stadium. So credit to Credit to Will Reichert. Otherwise, it wasn't a great night for Alabama special teams. Uh, You had a partially deflected punt for James Burnip in the game. Uh, That was a punt that simply looked like he he just didn't get the ball get the ball up off of his foot. Meanwhile, you know Auburn's just getting a hellacious performance in the punting game. Five of Auburn's ten punts 
pinned Alabama inside its own 20 with multiple punts pinning Alabama inside its own five, including the one that set Alabama up at the three and 97 yards away from a tie game there late in the fourth quarter. And, you know, look, Auburn's going to have to deal with some demons of their own in this game, including Tank Bigsby. I'm not going to just ignore that situation. You know, Bigsby ends up running out of bounds there uh, with Alabama in a position of being a timeout short and needing the football back with under 150 to play. Bigsby goes out of bounds. That allows, that gives Alabama the opportunity to have enough time on the clock, although it had time and some change to get the job done to tie the game. But uh, Auburn going to have some things to think about. And I think that's okay with Alabama fans. Because so often coming out of Jordan-Hare Stadium, it's been the Alabama fans wearing um, that foot. Again, though, Alabama special teams, not good enough. Alabama offensively for most of the game, not good enough. Uh, But when it mattered most, Alabama special teams delivered in the form of Will Reichard being clutch to extend the game. And, of course, the Alabama offense. You think about this offense with what we talked about there after the first half, just 68 yards of total offense. And then to finish with 313, and not just 313, but 217 yards of offense in the fourth quarter alone. Bryce Young in the fourth quarter, 10 of 20 for 155 yards and the touchdown. Auburn, meanwhile, not able to ice the game with the run game. Ten carries for 33 yards in the fourth quarter. Neither one of these teams could really run the football successfully. Alabama got it going some there in the second half. Alabama finished with 64 rushing yards. If you want to know how tough it was on the Alabama run game in the first half, Alabama rushed for 64 yards in the game, 66 in the second half. So minus two yards rushing for Alabama in the first half and heard from Nick Saban post game. He was asked, you know, where will you place this win? Do you think in retrospect and Nick Saban's not one while a season is still ongoing to reflect a whole lot, but I think with age comes more, uh, perception. Uh, and Nick's got plenty of that now at 70 years old. And, uh, he did go as far as to say this one will be up there and it should, Because he certainly, his teams have certainly had their struggles down at Jordan-Hare Stadium. What it means to Alabama in terms of maybe the college football playoff and, you know, how it might be judged on this performance, I don't think it hurts Alabama all that much. Uh, I think most people understand it hasn't been an easy place for better Alabama teams. I think there's been better Alabama teams, total teams, that have gone down to Jordan-Hare and lost. Uh, do I think this is an Auburn team that ranks among some of the teams that have beaten Alabama down on the points? No, I don't think this is 2013 Auburn by any means. But again, the general perception is not an easy place to play. And Alabama still figured out a way to get the job done. Bryce Young, I would think, didn't hurt his Heisman chances. He had a Heisman drive, no doubt about that. And then he has the game-winning toss to John Mechie there in the fourth overtime. Meanwhile, C.J. Stroud and Ohio State go down at Michigan Stadium earlier in the day 
Well, that Michigan run game, Ohio State had zero defensively for the Michigan run game, and the Wolverines, for the first time, under Jim Harbaugh, knock off OSU. So the Heisman race still very much ongoing. At last check on Saturday night around the SEC, you had a tight one with Texas A&M up four on LSU in the fourth quarter at Tiger Stadium. LSU wins that game along with, if LSU were to win that game, along with Florida taking care of Florida State earlier in the day. If if LSU gets home, the SEC would have 13 bowl-eligible teams out of 14. That's a pretty, pretty impressive number there. Um, Kentucky, at last check, was in good shape against Louisville. South Carolina with hopes of ending a long streak at the hands of the rival Clemson Tigers. Didn't look like that's going to happen at uh, at williams Bryce Stadium. So it's kind of a look around college football, a look around the Southeastern Conference for Alabama. Up next, obviously, the Southeastern Conference Championship game next Saturday at a place where it has yet to taste defeat against a team it has beaten twice at that venue. The steamrolling, the mighty Georgia Bulldogs, 45 to nothing winners over Georgia Tech earlier on Saturday. You know, a lot of folks gave me grief about one of my favorite coaches of all time, Paul Johnson, there at Georgia Tech. But I don't know. Maybe Georgia Tech fans at this point are missing that tri- triple option. What do you think? Maybe. I know Kirby Smart doesn't. He didn't have to prepare for the triple option this week or the last couple of years before he heads to Atlanta. He gets basically another week of SEC championship game prep. And I think in some ways, and I wrote this later in the week, uh, I think Alabama does too. I think conceptually and in terms of scheme, there's going to be some pretty good carryover from Auburn to Georgia, which you won't have with uh, Bo Nix not playing in the game is, uh, you know, the, the quarterback run potential and the, the quarterback mobility that Stetson Bennett is going to present next Saturday that you didn't get from T.J. Finley in place of Bo Nix uh, this week. So some carryover, I think, for both teams in terms of preparation for that game. Yeah, Georgia's going to be favored. Georgia absolutely should be favored. You know, it was a tremendous finish for Alabama Saturday at Auburn. And I strongly recommend and I strongly believe that you savor this win over the Auburn Tigers. Uh, That is where I am in agreement with what we heard from Nick Saban uh, earlier in the week on his radio show where he implored the fans to maybe be a little more appreciative of the accomplishments and what the players do to bring the great joy that Alabama fans have experienced over the last decade and a half. Now, I'm not going to sit here and sugarcoat every win. You know, it's not my fault. It's not the fans' fault that Nick Saban has elevated the standard at Alabama to a point where it is basically evaluated. It is basically judged against itself. You know, we're not going to do that. But, again, given the history of Alabama down at Jordan-Hare Stadium, I think it's uh, it's more than fair, more than uh, more than recommended that you, as an Alabama fan, uh, enjoy this one. Georgia will be here soon enough. 
It's going to be a tough game. Going to be a tough game to win. I guess some of the questions for Alabama entail, does Alabama have to win the game to make the four-team college football playoff field? Now, there's still some things going on in other places. Even on Saturday night, you had Oklahoma and Oklahoma State engaged in Bedlam, a top-ten matchup in Stillwater, how that shakes out, uh, how the Big 12 championship game shakes out, how the Big 10 championship game shakes out. Yeah, Michigan looks great, but do you really trust Michigan uh, in that spot? Notre Dame looks like it's going to finish its season, its regular season, at 11-1. and What type of viability uh, do you give the Irish as, as a potential 3-4 type candidate in the college football playoff? Uh, you know, look, I'm not saying Alabama has consistently played to the level of a college football playoff slam dunk selection. But I do feel like against most of these other teams that are in that mix, I think most folks, if we injected them with true serum, would say, I got to see that team beat Alabama before I can really believe that's a better team than the Alabama Crimson side. That's going to do it for this edition of Instant Analysis. We'll have some injury reports coming up here in the coming days because that's going to be important, especially with Brian Robinson. We heard from Nick Saban postgame in regard to the change there on the offensive line. Sounds like Darian Dahlcourt still dealing with an ankle injury. So some important items of interest. Uh, Defensively, maybe a couple of guys. You saw Fedarian Mathis go down on a cheap shot after the whistle that wasn't flagged. I said I wasn't going to talk about that, remember? Remember when I said I wasn't going to talk about the officiating? Oh, well. But there was plenty of officiating to talk about because Alabama got hit with 11 penalties for 129 yards. 11 for 129, right? Isn't that what the the total came out to? Yeah, I think it did. So uh, 7 for 53 for the home team. That's going to do it for instant analysis. Thanks once again for joining us here on the podcast. Hey, uh, Homefield Apparel, once again, newest sponsor of the podcast. If you need your Alabama Crimson Tide gear, you're going to find that at Homefield Apparel. Go to homefieldapparel.com, especially this weekend because Friday through Monday of this weekend. You got the Black Friday sale there at homefieldapparel.com. You're going to get 20% off all your purchases at Homefield Apparel during the Black Friday sale. Also, your first purchase at homefieldapparel.com. If you enter Bama247 at checkout, you're going to get 15 additional percent off that first purchase at homefieldapparel.com. Also going to have some basketball coverage Continuing coverage from the ESPN Events Invitational down in Disney. Alabama 1-1 one one through two games down there. Dropped the opener against Iona, as we recap for you here on the Bama Online Podcast on Friday. Came back with a hard-fought win over Drake on Friday. Had Saturday off down there. And now Alabama will cap the event with a matchup against the Miami Hurricanes. Miami on the football field back in September, and now you're going to get Alabama-Miami hoops, 5.30 Central on Sunday. That is a game that will air on the ESPN family 
of networks. Thanks so much for joining us here for Instant Analysis following Alabama's 24-22 win over the Auburn Tigers in four overtimes. On to Atlanta for Nick Saban and his team. We'll keep you up to speed on everything you need to know about next Saturday's game right there at BamaOnline.com. So long, everybody.